Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solace. And with me is my very, very talented friend who is a boss lady like no other, the mixtress DC Gina. What's going on, Louise? It's good, it's good. How about you? I mean, you know, I'm getting through today. I feel like, um, I don't know, I need a drink. I feel like today's the day where I'm going to be like, I'm going to finish the cocktail from beginning to end of this episode. So look out for the ending. <laughs> well, this one's going to get a little boozy, I think. So sip, it's a little sippy. Yeah, we're going to get a little sippy today. So, because I know you, and to be honest, I know a lot of your staff, for that matter, this doesn't happen at Buffalo and Bergen or any of your other locations, I am sure, just because I know you and I know who you are and how you navigate the world. But sadly, sadly, more than 53% of the LGBTQIA plus workers hide their identity at the workspace, which obviously this doesn't take a genius to figure out, can lead to some serious detrimental health, happiness, and productivity impacts. It makes negative impacts on those things to include the company's ability to retain talent and leadership development. So obviously it's a lose-lose for so many reasons. And here's another unfortunate thing. According to a recent uh, LinkedIn survey, 70% of LGBTQIA professionals believe that they don't see their faces or their reflection in any of their senior leadership. So they have no one to look up to, um, which again has direct impact on people's um, coming out at work and feeling unaccepted. And obviously, you know, as well as I do, people who don't feel accepted, secure, supported in their workspace aren't going to be loyal. They don't, and why would they? There's nothing there to hold them. There's lack of focus and there's a tremendous amount of stress. And obviously, this can't be good business. That's sad. I know. It's very sad. And it's so, again, it's a lose-lose. But there is hope. Um, and I know that today's designated drinker can shine a light on this, maybe a moonlight, a moonshine light, if you will. He is um, somebody who prides himself on his company's diversity. He's David Souk, CEO and founder of St. Luna Craft Moonshine. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, David. Welcome. We have been waiting for you for a little while. Me too. I've been very excited to do this. Great. So diversity. I think it's really important. You said a few things when we spoke last about it. So I think that it is really important that you start this episode this way. Please tell us about how diversity plays a role within St. Luna. Absolutely. So for, for us, it's about um, diversity and inclusion from the top are executives um, to the bottom. So sort of when we're lucky enough to hire people, it'll be all across the organization. Right now, we're, we're a fairly tiny startup. So it's really just the executive team that we have in place because it's all sort of like owner, founder, roll up your sleeves. Everybody's doing a little bit of everything. Uh, we are, we're certified as a gay-owned and operated spirit business. Love it. Thank you. Uh, through the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. Oh. Uh, my my head mixologist, one of the, the owners of our business, is a trans woman that is just unbelievably talented. Uh, my chief operating officer is a, a gay man who I've known for a very long time. He's one of my best friends. And then our, our sort of master distiller, the person that's come up with the recipe for St. Luna, 
is a straight white man, uh, but we... <laughs> we like him anyway. <laughs> I guess we, we too need a bit of diversity. <laughs> I guess he's our, he's our little like diversity chip. But no, it's, it's an amazing team. And just, you know, our plan is as we start to hire, it'll very much be about exceptional talent, irrespective of any sort of gender, sexuality, um, color. It just, it, it doesn't matter, right? It's all about just having good, amazing people that support the vision of our company. First of all, I love that you have a token, a, your token distiller. That's my favorite. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to get one of those right? for my bagel stores. I'm going to be like, this is my token distiller. He's amazing. So I can, I can say I'm truly diverse from, you know, from every single side of our business. I, I love it. I'm just saying this is the funniest thing ever. I'm, that's my new thing. I'm like, this guy, he's straight. Right? We can't be serious and make moonshine. It just, it doesn't go together. 100% now. That sounds like so much fun. The research and development is definitely the fun part. <laughs> well, that's why I say a joke when I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm a professional right. drinker now. I do this for the show. Very important. Oh, it's so true. I, when I first started St. Luna, actually, um, my brother um, had to come into the city to, to renew his daughter's passport. And they had gotten there super early at like 6 a.m. to like be first in line. I had a photo shoot the next day where we were shooting a bunch of different cocktails and I think he showed up at my apartment at 10 a.m. after they had, had been done at the passport office, and I had a lineup of eight or so cocktails that I was taste testing at 10 a.m. And I kept just saying, but no, 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 we have a photo shoot tomorrow. Like, I really have to do this. This isn't a problem. <laughs> no, this is my job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is work. And then other friends, of course, are like, you've been training for yeah. this your entire it, it life. Does, yeah, it perfect. does. It, it's like running a marathon. Amateurs sprint it. We professionals are about the marathon, the marathon drinking. Very true. I have a very similar story. Gina and I had a, an earlier venture that we did together, um, and it was for a TV show. <laughs> and uh, we were filming, uh, we're doing the, the sizzle reel. And we we're filming at a local distillery here. And it was ramp season, and she had gone off and pickled these beautiful ramps, and oh, she's wow. making these dirty martinis. Now, that is right up my alley. I love dirty martinis. And so my stylist is one of my closest friends, because, of course, this is we're doing everything on a dime. Yeah. Uh, actually, a nickel. Um, and so he and I are off to the side, and every time they had to do a retake, because they, you know, a line was flubbed or whatever, she would have to remake the cocktail. Ro and I are on the side just drinking every one of these dirty martinis. And I'm like the director. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's good. I have no idea what's going on. She looks great. She looks fine. She's fine. Oh, it was a good it. day, though. It was a good day. Oh, that's hysterical. You learn to sip. Yeah. You know, my biggest thing when I first started out was if if a mixologist or a bartender made this amazing cocktail and put effort and, you know, all their energy into making something with my spirit, I felt so guilty turning it away and just going, I'm just going to have a sip. But when you drink every single cocktail and you have six places that you have to get to, <laughs> you've had a oh, lot of cocktails. That's the truth. Yeah. So let's level set. Yes. What is moonshine. So moonshine's legal definition is actually the illegal distillation of spirits. And it really can be made from anything that you can ferment. Um, because it's traditionally illegal, it's usually a single distillation. It's unaged. Because if you think about it, it has to happen relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, so for us, we thought um, 
we could actually be the ones that sort of defined what modern day moonshine could be, um, if we are, are so lucky to be able to do so, and create something that was more about the cocktail experience and the overall experience with moonshine versus just something that is known for being just high alcohol content, get you drunk really fast. Yeah. You know, like, what is it? What exactly is it? Because it also comes with a different a stereotype, right? Like this, uh, all things. Um, you're working from what you may not know. It's it's absolutely right. And our, our whole idea behind St. Luna is really paying homage to the first ever American spirit. Um, you know, before you have whiskey that is aged, uh, you have what effectively is a moonshine. And our thought was, rather than go incredibly gimmicky with it, um, why not elevate it and show people that the first ever American spirit can be absolutely gorgeous? Because if you've had really good moonshine off of a still before it's commercialized, it really can be delicious. So, um, Gina, why don't we, why don't you teach us how to drink this? Do you want to uh, do a little yeah, tasting now and talk to us about how we should do this properly? Yeah, sure. Let's get, uh, let's get after it. Well, with an unaged spirit, your nosing is going to be a little bit different. Okay. So what's the proof on this? So it's it's 50%, but I always tell people after they've sipped it, because I promise you it does not drink like 50% at all. Yeah. So 50% alcohol means it's 100 proof, right? So when you age a spirit, it'll take on different notes, such as like the barrel notes. So you'll get like, I don't know, caramelization, appling, whatever. When you're nosing um, an unaged spirit, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Much like gin and anything like that, you got to take it. Yeah. And you're going to give it a little bit of a, um, a nose on it, right? So you're going to take it from the top of the glass and down and blow it out. Um, when you're blowing it out, the back of your throat is going to feel like it's on fire. Blow it out. It's like gin. Just go and blow it out. Don't do anything. Then take the neck. Then take a sip. Then blow that out. Take a sip, swallow it, and then, and then blow it out. And that's the distillate. And that's when you'll taste what the, di- what the maker has been making. So whether it is, you know, the corn base hot or whatever, it will change after that because you have to prepare your palate and your olfactory. And mostly when you taste, it's through your nose, right? So if you have a cold, 100%, you can't taste anything. So really, you want to sip that spirit first. I mean, you want to inhale that spirit first, especially the overproofed, and then you sip it. That's beautiful, though. So what are you getting? It's almost got a, a chocolate finish. What's in it? What is in it? Give me every, what's in what's in the shine. Yeah, so it is ninety five percent grade A molasses and five percent rye. But then what we do is we use a charred oak stave to filter it. Okay, so that chocolate is not fake. That that flavor profile to you is the caramelization of the molasses. Yes. So it, everybody's right, you know, when it comes to that flavor profile. Now. How David wants us to describe it's different. Now, how do you describe it? So I typically describe it, I get a lot of caramel from that molasses. Mm -hmm. I get vanilla, caramel. I sometimes get a little bit of grapefruit, um, which is why I think we pair incredibly well with anything citrus. Um, But then all of that tends to sit on the front of your palate. Um, Whereas what's wild is you've got the front of your palate that's all sort of like rum almost. Uh, but then the back of your palate is that whiskey where you get that pepper and that spice. And then the finish is that smokiness from that charred oak. So that's typically how I describe it. Whereas my partner, Aubrey, will say it sort of reminds her of like an alcoholic marshmallow. I love Aubrey already. I see that. I can see that. Right? So lots. 
What made you fall in love or want to do moonshine? Oh, this is fun. So I thought it was an underrepresented category. And legitimately, I it was Thanksgiving. And I was drinking copious amounts of wine to cope with that, like, half of your family that drives you absolutely insane. (laughs) That's my whole family. Right? And it it depends on the day. (laughs) And I was really thinking about what my next business venture could be because I had spent, you know, at that time probably – nine years of, of my career um, selling baby blankets. Let's <laughs> back up. No, 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 no. Back up. Like you were making them and hawking them or you were like selling them like on Fifth Avenue. Like what was it? Oh, it- all of the above. So when I, I, so I used to work at The Economist in sales and a friend of mine there started this business pretty much at our dining room table, making these oversized swaddle blankets. I really love it. And there is, there's a reason to this story uh, because what she did was she took something that um, a piece of fabric really that had existed for thousands of years and she modernized it and showed people that there was a modern day usability for this um, that was practical, but still luxury. And so I had early on joined that company just to help out like just to help do a little invoicing and just random sort of things that I had picked up through my career that I could basically just help. And I essentially became the chief operating officer and ran that business for the better part of 12 years. Wow. And so I was at a point where I was looking for sort of my own thing. And this particular Thanksgiving where I was drinking to excess, I had thought, ah, well, you know, originally my idea was to create a high-end line of edibles called Budding Gourmet. Also great. Right? Think Ina Garten, but for like these beautiful high-end cake box mixes and cookies and things. Basically what Martha Stewart is doing now. <laughs> but yeah, this was illegal back then. Thanks to Snoop. Right? Um, but totally illegal. So everybody sort of joked that it it should be a business that I knew well. And we joked that it it should be alcohol. Um, you know, I wake up the next morning and I think to myself, oh, it really could be actually. Um, if I think moonshine, it's a totally underrepresented category. 100%. All of the, all of the other categories have millions and millions of dollars in funding and, you know, or they've got these just amazing um, stories behind them. And I didn't have any of that. So I figured, let me be different and unique by truly being unique. You know, I wasn't going to be another tequila because one, that's appropriating an entire culture, which I think is is odd that literally everybody has a tequila. Um, but also, I didn't have the money realistically to differentiate how my tequila was different from the 900 other tequilas on the market. Um, so I thought Moonshine could be an opportunity to create a high-end space for it. And, you know, I'm somebody that just believes the universe kind of gives you what you need when you need it. And I had absolutely no idea how to distill. And yes, I was in manufacturing for the better part of 12 years. And I've manufactured blankets and, you know, skincare and all sorts of things um, all around the world. But alcohol was never one of those things. So uh, fast forward, I have this idea and the the person actually making a bar soap for my last company turns out is a a distiller that had been working on this St. Luna recipe um, basically out of his garage in Memphis for the better part of 17 years. And, um, you know, I, I, I find this out. I, you know, put the idea on hold because life is super crazy busy. And it wasn't until one morning I woke up just exhausted and tired and I, I hated myself and everybody I worked with and just 
you know, I knew that, you know, my, my job had run its course. And that morning as I'm driving to work, I called Scott and just said, Hey, you remember we talked about a year ago about that, that moonshine that you make. Do you think I could fly down and try it? And, and I did, you know, later that week I flew down, he and his family had relocated to Chattanooga. And it, this is basically like everything the after-school specials tell you not to do. I flew down, met a strange man, got into his car, and drove hours into like the mountains of Georgia. <laughs> and we, right, totally alone. And we had sat on his buddy's farm, Miller. Uh, we sat there and stilled. He had a homemade still set up in the driveway, and we sat there all day distilling what uh, is now St. Luna. Alone. And it was, it was delicious and gorgeous. And even coming off that still at 180 <laughs> some odd proof, it was incredible. So the funny thing is, Gina, if David hadn't gotten to this on his own, like I, cause I, we talked, you know, obviously we talked earlier and I was going to, the way I was going to ask this question was like, so can you tell us your crazy near deliverance moment? <laughs> <laughs> I just remember praying like, oh my God, I hope, like, I hope these people that I'm meeting, like, and driving way out to, you know, the middle of nowhere are good, decent people. And, and luckily, they, I mean, Scott is, is now, even all these years later, a really good friend of mine. Um, he's not just our distiller. Um, his family is extraordinary. Um, his buddy Miller, who let us still this on his farm, incredible. That's so funny. That's hilarious. I love that story. I don't know, Louise, let's do a little tip. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's time. Give us a tip, Gina. First of all, David, not to take away from like how amazing that is. Um, you know, I got to taste your product beforehand and you were saying that all the notes of like, you know, what is it gonna, um, it compares very well tropically. I agree. So we're gonna do a fun little um, trick and tip and actually show you how to make a quick pineapple cocktail syrup, okay? So you have two ways you could do it, ready? You have the good old, I have fresh pineapple. Then you have the can of pineapple juice. Now, I love fresh pineapple juice because I use, you know, fresh pineapples in it because I cut a lot of pineapples for garnish and stuff and I have a lot of like edges left. There is nothing wrong when you're doing this at home to take, I think, a little six ounce can of pineapple juice, throw it into a pot, and then hit it with a little bit of ground cardamom, which I absolutely adore. It gives it like, just a little other flavor. It's one of my favorite little, you know, what's in there. I don't know what it is. The aromatics with that and the pineapple is so good. And then you're gonna add whatever amount of juice you use to make a simple syrup, you're gonna add the same amount of sugar. So I'm just gonna pour it in and try to use the um, cane sugar because it's honestly one of my favorite. Uh, it's just, you know, it's not bleached, right? And I really don't know what goes in refining sugar, but for me, it just looks like, you know, I don't know, why is it white? It's not white in nature, shouldn't be white on your plate. So anyway, so you're gonna take this, put this over your stove and all you're gonna do is melt the sugar. Do not bring it to a boil. If you bring it to a boil, it's a different syrup. So you just want it to be nice, and easy and it turns this beautiful yellow color and it's quite lovely and I have this beautiful syrup. So this this yellowness will clarify to this yumminess. So that is my tip and trick today. <laughs> I love that. That'll be what I do this weekend. So if you missed that, we will be having this on our Instagram. So if you're not following us on Instagram, you should be. And you can follow us at uh, designateddrinker.show. And if you want to um, get our recipes or any or how to get to David and his um, wonderful products, you can go to designateddrinker.show for our tips, tricks, and how-tos. And if you didn't understand my New York babble, I'll slow it down. Go to designateddrinker.show. Awesome. Well done, Gina. Well done. So... 
This brings us to the end of part one with David Sook of St. Luna Moonshine. But if you're anything like me or Gina, a few sips of this amazing moonshine will not be enough. You're definitely going to want a round two of this. So be sure to top off your drink and check out part two of this episode as we continue our boozy banter about celebrating pride, diversity, and moonshine while Gina shares her delicious St. Luna Moonshine cocktail recipe. It's a delicious one. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company. <laughs>